Hello and welcome to the Community Broadband Bits podcast, brought to you by the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. In our 26th episode, we talk to Josh Wallace. He works for Fiber Optics Business Development for the City of Palo Alto, California. Josh and Christopher discuss the community's extensive fiber network and how the city uses dark fiber to offer reliable, high-capacity infrastructure to local businesses. Josh and Chris review how the city became involved in the business of dark fiber, and Josh describes the resulting commercial relationships and the process. Here are Chris and Josh. Josh Wallace, thank you for coming on Community Broadband Bits. Thank you very much. I appreciate your inviting me, Chris. So I've known a little bit about Palo Alto. I know that you have a dark fiber network. I've uh, worked with, uh, or I've talked with some people from Palo Alto previously as you've considered making other investments. But let's start at the very beginning and get a sense of why, how you came to have a dark fiber network. Well, in the late 90s, uh, there was a question about whether or not um, we would be able to renew some of our electric contracts uh, in the optimal way we had originally in the, in the late 50s. So it was a big search for revenue, and uh, I thought that maybe you know, we would have to shore up some revenue from some of the renewed contracts that might not be quite as good as we had hoped. So um, you know, we looked around, and we realized that at the same time that we could uh, connect all of our SCADA system, our net, uh, electric network control system, uh, with fiber optics, we could actually jump into the fiber optics business. So essentially, uh, our business involves licensing to customers in the Palo Alto area a um, surplus fiber optic telecommunication system. It takes a couple of fiber strands to connect the, the SCADA system. So we thought, wow, why not put in hundreds of strands and license them to local businesses? Was it very expensive to put in all those extra strands? $2 million to, to build the entire network. And to put in the extra strands, to answer your question directly, no. The big expense is in digging the trenches to, to create the network and stringing the poles. Uh, the actual materials, it's just a marginal uh, upcharge to go from two strands to 288. Okay, so you, you had this opportunity or this requirement that you had to build this network and you built a much larger network than you needed. Uh, why would you do such a thing? Because we saw that uh, the telecommunications is going the way of fiber optics and the, that the uh, uh, copper systems that were in the ground run by the private sector uh, were really not sufficient for a uh, technologically innovative uh, Internet-based uh, town and business culture. And so how exactly does this work? You're a municipal utility and you have this dark fiber. Maybe you can walk me through the process of I'm a business coming to town. What, what do I do what you would do is you would get in touch with, well, me or one of my staff, and uh, let me know where you are, and then I can click on the AutoCAD and uh, base map that has all of the, the properties in Palo Alto, all of the utility infrastructure. And I should say right now that uh, Palo Alto is unique in California in that it, we own all of our own utilities, water, gas, wastewater, electric, and telecommunications, which is the fiber optic business. So we have lots of choices for, for infrastructure that we can use. You call me up, uh, I see that you're at 123 Main Street, and I say, hmm, well, we do have fiber there, let's just fire it up, or, uh, gee, we need to build out to that, and we're going to ask you to pay for that installation, and you know, go through the steps to, to get you installed. Um, let, let's uh, be clear at this point that we are a dark fiber network, so what that means is that 
We essentially provide a fiber optic pipe from your building to the Palo Alto Internet Exchange or PACS. And Palo Alto Internet Exchange is a, a hosting uh, company that um, hosts over 80 internet service providers. So you get to choose as a customer uh, the best deal for your business from uh, any one of those 80 providers. Basically, anybody you know in the, in the internet carrier ISP business has a presence at PACS. So we build you a pipe from uh, your company over to our backbone and then over to um, the Internet Exchange, PAX, and uh, then we cross-connect you from our cage at PAX over to your carrier. And uh, we charge for the, uh, the piece that we provide, and you make a separate deal with the uh, Internet service provider, and you provide your own electronics. So it's real hands-off for us, uh, which, which is really a good model for a city because you know, we don't want to be in the, um, the, the, the critical customer support business, you know, little you know, electronics and you know, guaranteeing uptime and having all that liability. You know, our system is rock solid. It's, it is a fiber optic pipe in a town where we own the streets. So it's a, a great model. Oftentimes, these dark fiber networks seem to be 20-year agreements. I, I take it you have a, a shorter, different take on that. Yes, what we do is we, we try and model our fiber optic service after the electric service. So it's not coming as a big surprise to the customers. Um, you know, we do we do ask uh, our customers to sign a limited liability agreement, saying that you know if if the fiber should go down, and by the way, it really doesn't. Um, I could say in my years of experience here, it's just rock solid, uh, way over the five nines uh, reliability code. Uh, we say to the customer, if should the fiber go down, we will pay you for the time that you went down, but we will not pay you for any resulting damages. So if you're E-Trade, we're not going to owe you $10 million for the hour you were down, <laughs> which is just logical, and everybody seems to agree to that. So it's, it's not a problem. That's never been a stumbling block. Are these typically um, monthly contracts or yearly? Is there like a minimum term? Yeah, we, yeah, we go one year. We, we put one year up there, but it's somewhat decorative because what we do is we, we uh, uh, charge for the installation on our side up front. So we're very conservative. Um, we charge for the installation up front. So you know, we tell you as a small business, it's going to cost you, let's say, two or three thousand dollars to get installed. Just picking a number. You know, you pay that up front. So, well, we cannot lose any money. <laughs> if, if you understand that, we're not amortizing our installation over your service period. Um, we get it all up front, so we're safe. Is there a common yearly um, cost? On an ongoing basis? Yes, because we, char we charge by the month, and our, our minimum um, is $635 uh, for our part. $635, then um, there are going to be additional charges you know, for whatever your electronics are and, and whatever the Internet Exchange charges basically for the cross-connect fee going from our equipment over to your carrier, your ISP. That's about $300. I'm just throwing out some rough numbers. And then there's uh, Internet service. Mm-hmm which is a wide, wide range of costs. I mean, if you're buying a gigabit, if you're buying 10 megabits, you know, if you're buying it for five years, if you're buying it for six months, you know, it's just, it's all over the place. Basically, internet uh, uh, bandwidth is uh, a commodity at this point. So there's all kinds of ways of, uh, of uh, getting a good deal on that. The way this arrangement works then, if I'm using your dark fiber and I'm doing 10 megabits a second, I'm probably not being very smart because it would cost me the same from Palo Alto 
to do a gigabit as it would 10 megabits. There would be absolutely. a difference in cost from the ISP that I connect with. Yes, absolutely. And that you make a good point in that uh, we are a flat fee. And fiber optics, just by the nature of it, it's light. There is a zillion bandwidth in it. We, we are never the bottleneck. Um, some uh, R&D shops have run uh, 13 terabytes over a single strand of, uh, of fiber optics. And that's a, that's a hard number to get your arms around. A huge amount of capacity. So then, one of the questions I had was, if I'm a small business, what expertise do I ha- do? I have to have the expertise of knowing what electronics to terminate with, and um, something along those lines, or is there someone in Palo Alto or nearby that would help me to solve that problem? Uh, typically, there's um, an IT guy or a computer guy at every company because. If somebody's going to come to us looking for that, for, for the, you know, this type of service, and realizing that it's far and above superior, if I may say so, to um, the, well, the commercial offerings, there's somebody who, who kind of knows what's going on. So I, I really haven't run into anybody who says, I can't, I can't do this because I don't understand it, or I can't do this because we don't have that kind of staff. It's actually very simple. These are uh, components, the electronics at either end, uh, to be found at basically electronic shops. I don't say, I don't say Best Buy, but if you, if you go some, we have Fry's Electronics out here that uh, they'll they'll have some routers. They'll have you know any, any place that has a, a consumer level, consumer and prosumer level um, telecom gear. Pretty easy to put together. We have never we have, we have people who really are not experts in the IT field running their service and never had a problem. Palo Alto has an incredible reputation for very intelligent people. Uh, I'm curious, do you have many residents that have uh, tried to connect to your network? Yes. The answer is there are lots and lots of uh, very savvy residents who would like to have uh, this going to their home. Unfortunately, you know, uh, we have um, determined that the business model for fiber to the home is suboptimal, especially in Palo Alto, where we have two or three uh, of the uh, national providers here uh, who, who have the dominant market share and are extremely hostile to upstart places like Palo Alto trying to start their own network. So, you know, we would run the, the risk of uh, you know, legal action uh, being tied up in court, predatory pricing and, and whatnot. It's a very volatile business. You know, it's also a volume business. So um, the, the fiber to the home stuff or, or just, you know, residential telecommunications in so much as, you know, we would have to engage a television provider, um, an Internet service provider, telephone, video, and Internet, uh, triple play. Very costly, hard to amortize over a reasonably small town where the national incumbents are amortizing over uh, basically the lower 48 United States. Right. I fully, we fully understand all of those um, difficulties and challenges. Um, what I, what I had meant to ask, and I'm glad you answered that question because that was a question I was going to ask next. But I'm curious if you have extended the dark fiber network to any residents who are very ambitious or, you know, have very high needs. Yes, the answer is yes. Uh, but, but they are treated as commercial customers. We do not have a residential pricing tier. Right. That's about what I would have expected. So. How has the presence of this network uh, impacted your your local job scene? Have you had more businesses coming into town because of this? Well, you, you ask the tough question, and it's hard to 
quantify economic development based on a uh, an indirect influence such as uh, a robust telecommunication system. Uh, we do consider have the, having this network uh, to be a added value to doing business in Palo Alto. We have two or three local ISPs and uh, several very large companies that say we cannot do without this. Uh, we have one that likes to be talked about. We have a kind of shra- anyway, veil of secrecy for others to respect their <laughs> privacy, but VMware, for example, a uh, mm-hmm. virtualization company based in Palo Alto, um, before they consolidated into a huge uh, contiguous campus, had 11 offices in Palo Alto spread over the town. And they uh, connected all of their buildings with our network. And this is a major R&D shop so they are running gigabits, you know, tens of gigabits over our fiber to connect uh, their, you know, to connect the building and, and send all of the R&D information to uh, the additional buildings, and, and as well as just supporting their their business. So uh, they love us. And so I I like to think that there's one of dozens and dozens and dozens of companies that uh, feel the same way. Can you share the number of customers that you have? Uh, we have a uh, about. 60 at this point. Several of those customers are resellers. Take our fiber and add the electronics and add the bandwidth and uh, create a turnkey for the end user. So we have hundreds and hundreds of connections. That seems um, actually fairly similar to what uh, Santa Monica has. I think they've just crossed the 70 um, threshold and they do dark fiber and some lit services now. Right, but to be sure, that's 70 customers with hundreds and hundreds of connections. Right. Because uh, because a particular reseller may have 100 connections. Right. Now, um, and I guess the other question is, um, is there a type of business that is in particular? I mean, is it mostly IT companies that have been interested in this, or is it a, a broad range of companies? It's a broad range, and uh, anywhere from R&D uh, companies, you know, software, um, biotech, uh, space industry, uh, legal. I, I characterize our customers as those needing internet connectivity as the tent pole of their business. And the, the lawyers like it for the security. Everybody likes it for the reliability. The R&D folks like it for the speed. We have two or three man, uh, two or three employee um, multimedia shops that use our fiber. And we have 10,000 employee uh, software companies that use our fiber. So it's not really based on um, on size, but the big companies all have it. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're not exclusive. It's not like, oh, you're too small for us. It's like, do you need telecom service that we provide? If so, let's do it. Okay, is there anything else we should know about uh, this network? Yeah, uh, we are uh, essentially in the economic development business at this point. Um, We are at a a point where we have the model set up so that we recover all of our costs because as a municipality, we have a cost recovery model. Um, We cover all of our capital costs, so we sit back and the checks roll in. Now we are looking at lots of different projects that we can do for the city with our uh, surplus uh, revenue. We're in the process of um, uh, partnering with the school system to build a fiber optic network 
uh, for them. <laughs> I'm sure that's necessary. I actually read about the uh, franchise negotiations with Comcast where they really they really threatened to raise the prices dramatically high, and I don't know where it ended up, but I'm very glad to hear that you're going to be building, a, or that you are in the process of building a network for the schools because it sounded like they needed it. Yeah, they they need it, and they like us a lot, and we're 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 going down that road. So we're 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 going to break ground on that um, in the next couple of months. Uh, another question that often comes up is how do our prices compare with uh, the uh, private sector in terms of uh, telecommunications? It's difficult to look at uh, other services in an apples to apples fashion because we're a dark fiber service, basically. Uh, the AT&Ts and, and Verizons and whatnot are all um, bundled services with band, you know, turnkey, with bandwidth and whatnot. But uh, some of our sort of back of the envelopes have shown us to be anywhere from 20 to 80 percent less than those carriers. Well, I would, I mean, I think that's that's a pretty modest claim, and I, I want to make sure listeners are aware of that because. Um, you know, as you described the connection with VMware, with the kind of traffic that they're moving, and knowing that the the companies that serve you flat out refuse to provide dark fiber typically because they want to offer the the services uh, where they can make more based on the volume, um, I have to think VMware's savings are, are even higher than what you just quoted. Well, right, and that, that would be the perhaps um, upper end of the spectrum with the amount of data that they're pushing because we don't meter data. You, know, it's a, you do whatever you want, and and, uh, and and they do. And I mean, the uh, the rocket companies here. We have two rocket companies, and they they use a lot of uh, bandwidth. I have what I call a virtual campus. I mean, the the connectivity between buildings uh, creates complete transparency. There's just no bottleneck. So the data is like the guy sitting next to you. Right. I think we, we often get hung up on this idea of connecting to the Internet and so much for, for businesses. It's just about getting across town or even across the street without having a bottleneck. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because if you have a physical building that's uh, not contiguous or, or they're even just next door, as you say, um, you've know, got to have a pipe across the street. Thank you for coming on and, uh, and getting us a better sense of how the dark fiber network works in Palo Alto. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for inviting me on, Chris. That was Christopher talking with Josh Wallace from the city of Palo Alto about their extensive dark fiber network. You can learn more about several other communities that have capitalized on this great tool for economic development. Visit muninetworks.org and click on the dark fiber tag. If you have any questions or comments, please send us a note. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on December 18th, 2012. Thanks to the Mojo Monkeys for the music licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Bodacious.